everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. Record high inflation is turning up the heat on central banks. But with average wages set to rise significantly in 2022, they face a difficult choice, overlooking the overshoot to protect the economic recovery or tightening quickly to stave off a potential wage price spiral that could add fuel to the fire. Which countries are most at risk of a wage price spiral? And how will this affect sectors? Let's find out in this episode with senior economist Selin Oziert and sector advisor Anu Kuanathan. Hello, Selin and Anu. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Maria. Hi, right, good afternoon, Maria. So in a recent report, Celine, we looked at the risk of inflation creating a wage price spiral, right, in certain countries. Maybe you can explain first for our listeners, how exactly does a wage price spiral work? First of all, after having remained extremely low over the past decade, now we observe record high inflation in most advanced countries. So this inflation, where does it come from? So it's uh, mainly the outcome of rising energy and input prices in a particular context where supply bottlenecks persist. So importantly, the interaction of goods and labor markets plays a key role in maintaining or amplifying this inflationary momentum. So as you ask, when it comes to the wage price loop, actually this could be broken down into two phases. First, you have the initial price shock that is transmitted to wages. And second, there is a potential feedback from wage increases to inflation because firms obviously need to adjust their selling prices to compensate for rising labor costs. And so do you already see signs of inflation translating into higher wages? Currently, there is a number of factors that set the stage for stronger than usual wage accelerations. First, increasing energy prices and inflation weighs on the purchasing power of households. So they ask for higher wages. So in countries where there is a strong indexation of wages to inflation, of course, this impact on wages would be greater. So in addition, uh, compared to 2008 global financial crisis, as you remember, the demand had collapsed back then. Now at the exit of the COVID-19 crisis, demand is rather dynamic. And of course, this is the outcome of unprecedented public support and stimulus to the economy. So in this particular context, uh, all the recruitment difficulties to meet the strong uh, consumer demand, uh, but also significant declines in unemployment rates are the factors that are likely to increase wage pressures this year. So in our baseline scenario of receding inflation again in the second half of the year, we foresee stronger wage acceleration, uh, especially in 2020 in the US, around 5%, and in the UK, uh, 3.5%. 
and this reflects uh, the greater flexibility of their labor markets that can adjust quickly. And on the other hand, you have uh, France and Germany. Uh, they should both see more moderate average wage increases this year, which should be around 2.5%. So how exactly do you identify which of these countries would be most at risk in uh, of an increase in wages turning into a wage price spiral? So generally speaking, if a price shock is temporary, of, or if it's followed by a reversal, the path through to inflation would be limited. So in the paper, uh, we, to analyze uh, these dynamics, we conduct a structural VAR analysis to better understand how quickly a price shock spreads to overall prices and to labor markets, as I explained uh, in the beginning. So interestingly, we find significant differences in these dynamics uh, between countries. So when we look at the continental Europe, I mean France and Germany, this reaction of wages to price increases happens with some delay, which is around two quarters, and the resulting wage increase is weak. For instance, in France, a 1% price shock would increase average wages by 1% only after a year and a half. And we explain this delayed reaction uh, by the lengthy wage negotiation process. So on the other hand, you have the US and the UK, where, as I said, the labor markets are more flexible. Their wages appear to react immediately and strongly to price changes. So just to illustrate to you, after just one quarter, in the US, uh, wages are found to increase even more than the initial price shock. And in the UK, we also find the immediate, this immediate reaction of wages, but the magnitude of the adjustment is smaller. So now uh, let's talk about the second phase of the loop. I mean, the transmission from wage increases back into prices. In Germany and the UK, uh, wage increases are simultaneously passed on to prices in contrast to France. So in France, we find that French firms uh, tend to absorb wage increases into their profit margins during almost a year. So I guess Anu could also tell us a bit more about this margin behavior of firms, perhaps from a more uh, sectoral point of view. But now I will turn to the US. Uh, interestingly, their prices do not seem to be significantly affected by uh, wage dynamics. So in the paper, we explain this uh, potentially by the ability of French firms to substitute capital for labor or their capacity to maintain access to cheap labor. So talking about pricing power, um, I think, Celine, you made a very good point about the uh, differences that we notice from one country to another. And actually, when we uh, go at, yeah, at the final level, at the at the sector level, um, we also see uh, quite some differences um, between sectors when it when we're talking about uh, pricing power. So over the long run, what we find is that both in Europe and in the US, most sectors uh, and most firms have some uh, pricing power, meaning that they are able over the long term to uh, pass on higher input prices, whether we're talking about inputs or, or wages. Uh, but uh, when we look over the short run, 
um, there are some uh, some inequalities, I would say, uh, between sectors. Uh, some sectors are able to uh, pass on higher input prices um, quite, uh, I would say, rapidly. Um, that's the case, for example, when you think about the uh, oil industry. So uh, the the gasoline price uh, would um, would increase quite rapidly after after a move in in, in oil prices, for example. Um, you also have other sectors such as the air transport sector, uh, which is also uh, heavily reliant on um, on commodities and on energy commodities, uh, that we tend to to pass on um, higher input prices to its customer um, rather rapidly. Uh, but on the other hand, you have sectors such as the auto sector um, or even the pharmaceutical sectors, where uh, when we notice um, rises in input prices. Uh, we don't see a consequent uh, increase in consumer and retail prices uh, over uh, the uh, the subsequent months. So uh, this is something uh, that also needs to be uh, underlined: is that uh, all sectors are not equal uh, when they are faced with uh, with higher input prices. Okay, thank you. And so, Celine, just to go back to the wage price spiral, can you tell us which countries are most at risk of this? Uh, we find that the contribution of the wage price loop to overall price increases is the strongest in the UK because price shocks are rapidly and strongly amplified by labour market dynamics. And on the, on the other hand, in France, we also find a strong wage price loop but its impact is limited, uh, as I said before, also by the delayed reactivity of both wages and prices. Interestingly, this risk of wage price loop is somehow limited in the US, and this is because of the weak reaction of prices to wage increases, so because of the second part of the loop. So the weak reaction, weak transmission back to prices prevents in the U.S. a dangerous uh, wage price spiral. Okay, so let's maybe talk about sectors now um, more in detail. Anna, why don't you tell us how a wage price spiral could play out in terms of the risk to sectors? So just like um, just like with pricing power, um, the, the impact of uh, higher wages um, is very different from one sector to another. So you have some sectors which are labor intensive and others which are i would say capital intensive or uh, intensive or, or tech intensive so the the more labor you you use and obviously the more the more impact uh, you're going to uh, you're going to take uh, when when wages increase so what we uh, what we did um, in in our in our recent paper is that uh, we looked at the cost structure um, of about uh, 1,700 firms, both in the US and in the euro area. Um, we looked at the cost structure and uh, we tried to isolate the, the labor component and we simulated the shock, all other things being equal, of 10% increase, increase in wages. And unsurprisingly, uh, we find that, for example, the uh, transport sector uh, would be hit quite severely. So the transport sector is typically one that is labor intensive and the wage bill is actually a big chunk of, uh, of the cost structure. So just to give you an example, the, uh, in case of a wage increase of 
the the impact on profitability for the transport sector uh, would be a loss of about two points of, prof of profitability in uh, in the euro area and uh, over two and a half points in terms of again uh, profitability uh, in the US. On the, uh, at the at the other end of the spectrum, uh, if we look, for example, at the food industry and the the agri food industry, um, even a ten percent increase in wages uh, wouldn't uh, actually move the needle much in terms of profitability uh, for for this sector, both in the US and um, and in the euro area, and you can pretty much uh, understand why because we're talking about uh, an industry that is now heavily mechanized and uh, using a lot of machines uh, more than more than workforce so what does this all mean for policymakers where do we go from here uh, so this is a good question because with average wages expected to rise significantly this year central banks are facing a difficult policy choice so they could either overlook the inflation overshoot to protect uh, economic recovery at the exit of the sanitary crisis, or they could tighten quickly and strongly uh, to prevent a price amplification spiral. So, of course, even though monetary tightening would have only a limited impact in tackling supply pressures, we still believe that it should indirectly help to contain inflation because this would tame uh, the famous demand exuberance. So here, central banks really need to master the timing of their games. So as we point out in our analysis, the UK faces the greater risk of a wage price spiral. So therefore, uh, the Bank of England already started to raise its uh, policy interest rates already twice since uh, 2021, uh, we also see the U.S. Fed will start uh, an interest rate hike cycle, uh, most probably in March, which is in line with their latest communication. As we also point out uh, in our empirical findings, uh, the, I mean the delayed response of wages to price shock in continental Europe. Uh, so the ECB appears to be, if you want, in a better position to tolerate some overshoot in inflation and wait longer uh, before act. So interestingly, this is going to uh, impact uh, firms uh, by, with, with rising interest rate and higher cost of, of financing. Again, all, all firms and all sectors are not, are not equal. Uh, when it comes to, uh, to, to debt burden and, and interest burden. What we need to keep in mind is that you have some sectors which are uh, heavily indebted, but if they, they generate enough cash flow and enough revenues to, to, I would say, easily pay off their, their interest, they might stay out of the blue. But in the, uh, in the event of facing higher interest rates when you are already struggling, uh, to, to pay off uh, your um, your interest expense. That's when uh, you might get into um, into trouble. So what we um, what we did recently in our um, in our analysis um, is that we uh, simulated a shock in interest rates of about two points. So that's way above uh, what uh, what is our our central scenario, but that's only for us to uh, to get an idea of which are the sectors that are most 
vulnerable to an increase in, in interest rate. And uh, what we what we find is that um, looking at the US, um, there are two sectors that would be uh, that would be in the in the front line and and most impacted by uh, by a sharp increase in interest rate. It's the transport sector. Um, think about airline companies, um, which are heavily indebted and uh, had uh, obviously a gap in revenues uh, during during the COVID, the, the COVID crisis and, and in the midst of the COVID crisis. And the the other big sector is the energy sector. So uh, especially the U.S. shale sector already uh, went into uh, financial trouble in 2016. Um, a lot of restructuring uh, happened in the sector, but uh, the sector, I would say, uh, was rather fragile when the um, when the COVID crisis hit. So it's not surprising that it's still a sector that is struggling with um, high debt and also uh, high uh, interest expenses, and they would definitely be hit uh, severely in case of a sharp uh, increase in, in interest rate. On the European side, uh, what we find is that uh, the transport sector again is one that is that is vulnerable um, for about the same reasons as uh, as in the US. Uh, but then you also have a computer and telecom sector, uh, which uh, would be um, on on the front line. Um, this is also a sector uh, which uh, has. I would say uh, a large amount of debt, and uh, some of the weaker players um, are uh, already struggling uh, with uh, with their uh, with their interest payments. So that would be uh, that would be the, the the two sectors that would be the most uh, at risk in um, in in the euro area. But again, um, the the exercise that we did is way above uh, our, our baseline scenario. As as a reminder, um, we expect rates uh, in the US to go up by about 75 basis points and uh, the the action of the of the ECB uh, should should raise uh, corporate interest interest rates by about 25 basis points in in the euro area so uh, that should uh, should be benign for um, for most companies okay well thanks a lot Celine and Anu speak to you next time thank you Maria thank you thank you so much for listening you can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.